Welcome back, friends, to the Diocesan Digest, your favorite source for all things happening in the Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Susanna LaMasters, and today we are joined by Joseph Ripka, canon musician-designate at St. Paul's Cathedral, and the Diocesan Music Missioner. Joseph is the organist at St. Paul's and is responsible for a large and varied cathedral choristers program. He is internationally respected and an acclaimed organist who has played across the world. We do a Get to Know You podcast today. He shares with us how an organ works, his love for teaching, and his spiritual relationship with the organ. We are so excited to share this new episode with y'all, so let's get into it. Intro music is a recording of Joseph Ribka on the organ. Hello, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you for having me. Where are you from? Where were you before this great state of Oklahoma? I am originally from Minnesota, born and raised there, um, but I've just moved here from Phoenix, Arizona. Awesome, where, where were you in Phoenix? Where I was at All Saints Episcopal Church and Day School as okay. Director of Music. So did you run a choristers program there? Right, so... Um, it was a pretty large program. We had two adult choirs. Um, the day school chorus curriculum was RSCM, Royal School of Church Music. So I had about 60 kids in oh, choir wow. there. Yeah. And then I also started a community chorister program while I was there that had about 25 in that. So we were really busy. Wow. <laughs> about nine rehearsals a week there. Tell me about the community choristers program. That's really interesting. Right. So that was a program open to the community, obviously, and also the parish, um, just to find kids interested in singing and teach them the great literature that we have in the Anglican music world, turn them into leaders leading worship. Oh, that's so cool. I think that's really important, teaching kids and having that outlet. Yeah, very much. Is that kind of um, what you're hoping for with the Cathedral Choristers program, right? Right, very similar. And I mean, of course, every situation, every parish, every demographical area is a little bit different. But the fundamental idea, of course, is the same. So tell me about kind of the different types of organs, um, the different ones, and how they play differently. Yeah, there are a lot of different historical styles that have shaped the repertoire that's been written for them, um, but also the style of building. In America, we tend to have more eclectic style instruments that can play quite a wide variety of music. The cathedral organ plays French music pretty well. It's got a lot of um, big sounds on it that kind of is favorable for that um, French Romantic era. Um, But it's also really great accompanying organ and good for congregational singing, which is nice. Um, generally, there are, you could probably narrow it down to two main, main types of instruments that you tend to encounter with pipe organs. Um, <clears throat> and the first one was the most common until electricity was invented. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, from the early, well, I guess you could, I don't want to give the entire history of the organ, but <laughs> so maybe one of the earliest playable examples of a you know pipe organ that we think of today um, it's from the 1300s in Sion, Switzerland mm-hmm. and it's mechanical action and that just means like um, 
you know, we've got this box of whistles and the way you get they're, they're sitting on top of a, you know, a, a wind chest, a, you know, right. a box full of air um, that, you know, back in the day would have been fed by bellows. Um, today we have um, electric blowers, but um, you're sitting on this box of air. And then in order to get the air to go in, it comes from the keyboard, right? So if I were pushing a key, um, mechanically, there'd be a lever coming from that key, transferring motion, all sorts of physics to get to that wind chest. And it would let a little bit of air into the pipe. So directly mechanical. Um, there was an organ professor from Oberlin, um, I think, who coined this phrase, which is really great. And he called it um, the wind at one's fingertips, which makes a lot of sense <laughs> to an organist. I mean, that yeah. kind of control that you have there, um, because it, the organ is really just this big mechanical box yeah. <laughs> that we make music with. But um, then when electricity was invented, um, you can, it's the same process, um, essentially, except instead of having a directly mechanical connection from the key, you can push the key and it's essentially like a switch that sends an electric signal to let the air into the pipe. Um, that wow. has given a lot of versat versatility in um, churches, church spaces, where um, you might walk in and see a whole bunch of pipes in one location, but the person playing the organ is like opposite side of the room that's only possible because of electricity and uh, we call that typically electro-pneumatic okay. action yeah so if it's um, a mechanical action organ which they're still building today they're a handful of um, really fine mechanical builders um, I haven't been here long enough to know <laughs> where they are in Oklahoma City I know there's a there are a few in um, Norman that are very important um, <clears throat> but um, typically because of um, electricity, we've been able to have this versatility. Um, if it's mechanical, you'll um, probably notice the organist like right by the pipes Ooh, playing. Mm -hmm. um, not always correct mm -hmm. if you just see it that way, but that's typically where they'd be placed. What's your favorite thing about the organ? What do you love about it the most? If you could, if you can pick. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely a lot of things, but um, probably one of the biggest things is how much variety there is in music and I mean the the repertoire spans centuries and I think probably the oldest um, repertoire beyond that would be voice human voice that and just how everyone is so unique mm -hmm. like getting to explore that and just I mean traveling to give recitals has given me a lot of um, just cool experiences I wouldn't have had otherwise yeah. um, for example one time I played in London at Westminster Cathedral, oh, wow. um, not the Abbey, the Cathedral, okay. the Catholic Cathedral, and um, which is just massive, of course. And um, I showed up for my practice time, and they led me, you know, in the back door and up all of these winding stairs, and you know, kind of across the the gallery area. I got to the organ console to practice. It's dark in the cathedral, and then they're like, "Okay, you know the way out." And they shut the door and locked it. And so I'm, you know, alone in Westminster Cathedral for hours and hours in the dark, and you know, just playing the organ. Um, those are cool things. Um, <clears throat> just a lot of experiences like that are, are really neat, and um, yeah, people very you unique. meet, yeah, very unique. Because I mean, you travel to the instrument, you don't bring it with you. Yeah, it's it's and just it's just a fun 
fun instrument to play. Speaking of that unique part, I know that it's a unique relationship that you have with an organ. Can you speak on how that might impact your spiritual life or, you know, just you as a person? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's in my job, of course, it's the primary (laughs) um, instrument that I'm using to to lead a service. And, uh, you know, as you get to know the instrument and you just get to know nuances of the liturgy, I mean, there, there are some things that I do within the service that personally I think need to be there in a musical way and and I take great care in and how I do that because I I feel like it's important to me and you never know who that's going to reach um in the congregation sometimes you you get that feedback and right. somebody won't be able to describe it to you but um you have a pretty good guess why they <laughs> the liturgy really it was important to them that particular moment but um so I think that's really where my spirituality comes from is just having that connection to you know essentially producing a big part of the service just personally but also for for a lot of people it's definitely service you know i mentioned before this performance mindset but it's it's completely different when you're in a service just providing this you know support prayerful support for a lot of people um the music is something that really takes the worship service to a next level for them does it still do that for you it does i mean <laughs> that sounds kind of funny to say it that way but um it all it's a combination of things it's you know what what is the hymn or the service mm-hmm. music like how are people responding to it how are they singing and um and then the the connections that happen through the non-musical parts of the liturgy, which we try to plan carefully and coordinate. And you know, when when all of the the leaders, the service are kind of in tune that way, it's pretty special. Yeah. So you can really feel those moments. You're working as the canon of music at the cathedral, but you're also the diocesan music missioner. Talk about a little bit about that role and how those work together and what you hope to accomplish. For me, this comes back to something that's pretty important to me, and that's the education piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And cathedral music standards have been very high for a long time, and I hope to continue and expand on that Mm -hmm. and really be try to be the best model possible for the diocese and you know be able to share that with other congregations throughout the diocese and help them to find resources Mm -hmm. to you know make the best possible worship music they can with what they have i mean i think it's kind of daunting sometimes to walk in you know not to just the cathedral but any any kind of large mm-hmm. <laughs> um, worship space or just someplace where they have a, a lot going on during worship and think that you can't do it because you know I'm only one person or you know right. I don't I don't have the right organ or what that's um, I think that's kind of a myth in mm-hmm. in some places and I think that just providing some education and, and realization that you can do a, a lot with what you have and um, help people to figure that out and and, you know maybe we'll we may be hosting 
a conference mm -hmm. on occasion or some workshops at the cathedral to try to help people out that way. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, really be a tool for education and, and a model. Tell me a little bit about um, some of the awards you've won. I know that you have been recognized a lot for your music, and I learned a lot about that when I attended your recital. Um, it made sense to me why. Tell me about that and some of the amazing opportunities that you've had. Right, and I think, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned when I was studying, you know, this performance mindset is very yeah. <laughs> heavy in, in music yeah. school, and I don't discount that in any way because it's, it has made me who I am. Right. And it's very important. And um, specifically my time at Oberlin when I was working on this artist diploma, I practiced for hours and hours a day, mm -hmm. and sometimes eight hours in one day, which is a little bit crazy. I mean, you definitely have to work up to that. But it was also a time that I entered a lot of competitions. I, I did win a few national competitions. I've been a finalist in a lot of international competitions. Mm -hmm. I also won first prize in the Dublin International Organ Competition, so that was very fun. Um, it's just a great way to really test yourself and yeah. um, really validate what you're doing with, you know, other colleagues who are just as interested, you know, fellow competitors to meet them. They're, you know, from all over the world. I met so many great people who are just have a really similar mindset. Yeah. Um, the judges in these competitions are usually very seasoned professionals um, and they just to get their validation and talk to them and get feedback it's it's been a great experience so um, I feel like I have taken a lot of those skills and I'm able to apply them other places what do you like to do in your free time when you're not playing the organ that's all I do. <laughs> I only practice now. <laughs> no, um, I, you know, of course, like spend a lot of time with my family. Mm -hmm. My wife, Erin, she's a violinist. I also have a 10 year old daughter, Clara, who plays violin and she sings and she, you know, just keeps me really busy. And it's just a really fun age to, you know, just hang out and, and do fun things. I like to cook a lot um, when I have time, you know, like, um, and, try to have Clara help me with that or teach her some things um, to travel you know I know travel has been limited in the last year and a half but um, specifically traveling to Europe or just even regionally we like to go driving around and find interesting places um, what have you liked about Oklahoma so far like what's something interesting that you found if you've been able to travel well, at all I don't think we've been here quite long enough but we did um, we went over to, uh, I guess it was a pumpkin patch oh, yeah, nearby, yeah. and it was off of Route 66. And okay, yeah. Like, the pumpkin patch was fine, but it, um, on Route 66, there was this, I guess it used to be an old soda fountain. Pops? Pops. Pops, yeah. Yeah, and so that that was kind of cool. They're oh, yeah. pretty serious about it there. Yeah, they're serious um, about their Just finding little things like that. Um, I'm looking forward to the, the change in seasons. Yeah. Should be very cool. I've noticed it's usually breezy here. Yeah, I guess that's the whole, you know, <laughs> plains thing. <laughs> yeah, wind comes swooping down yeah. the plane. Right, right. But I, I really like Oklahoma City. It's got a great vibe to it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice, compact, and mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. There are so many cool places that you've got to go to. We've got a lot of interesting land features. Um, people like to say that we're, you know, a landlocked state, but we do have some beautiful lakes. We do. Right, right. 
like Lake Arcadia out there by Pops is really beautiful. I didn't check that out in the area, but I'll have to do that. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed this chat. Thank you for having me. It's been great.